Hello, and welcome to Farmers Capital Conversations. I'm your host, Casey Silveria. This podcast aims to expand your social, intellectual, and economic capital. Investing on and off the farm is hard enough. Here, we will provide insightful stories and resources to help out. Full transparency, this is our shameless way for you to like us and hopes you partner with us down the road. Lastly, there are no ads here. All I ask is you enjoy and share if you find value. Now, on to the episode. Knowing, knowing your own numbers is, is kind of the way that we put it when it comes to production costs. Know your numbers, meaning know what your production cost is and then know what your break-even cost is. Know what you'd like to shoot for in terms of uh, like a margin. Are you sure? Are you shooting for a 20% ROI? Are you shooting for a 15% ROI? You're shooting for more than that. Everybody's financial situation is different. And that's why we uh, very much encourage people to go out and figure that stuff out on your own. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the show. Today, we're joined by Joe Vaklovic, host of the Grain Markets and Other Stuff podcast, who brings years of experience to us today. We'll dive into understanding current grain markets, exploring strategies for financial stability, and discuss the unpredictable nature of the financial landscape. So a lot going on, but Joe, we're excited to have you on the show today. Glad to be here. Thanks for the invite. Yeah, absolutely. So can you walk us a few steps back and just give us an overview of your experience in the grain market? Uh, Yeah, sure. I started in the commodity business in 2005. And uh, my initial role in the commodity business was to work with farmers, uh, primarily doing futures and options brokerage, meaning I worked at at the Chicago Board of Trade. I was in Chicago. Um, We would essentially advise farmers on how to buy options to hedge grain, to sell futures to hedge grain, uh, using the board as a grain marketing tool. Um, Since then, I've progressed, and and I still do a little bit of brokerage business. The majority of my business now is uh, consulting and really like a media type business. I've got a podcast, I have a YouTube channel, and then I have a paid version, essentially, of the podcast and the YouTube channel in, in which I go into a ton more detail and depth than I do in the public stuff. And that's actually... The majority of my business these days, that's how I've spent the majority of my time is just developing content uh, that I think will help farmers in their marketing, in their uh, financial endeavors, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. As you kind of took years of experience, kind of flipped mm-hmm. it around into this consulting media company, providing real education and information to people who need it most, sounds like. Yeah, it's a super niche little business. I mean, uh, when people ask me what I do for a living, I explain it this way. I say, you're either in the 99.9% of the public that does not care about the corn market at all, or you're in that 0.1% that like really, really, really cares. So that's like my customer yeah. base is like that little tiny portion, but the people who do care, like really care. So that's, that's my business basically. Yeah, that's great. Well, you're serving a very n- niche persona, but you have to because your information has to be tailored to that. It's really hard to yeah. cover so many different aspects and provide real value to your clients. The um, It's not as complicated as it seems. I think that uh, a lot of my industry have made grain marketing, uh, agribusiness, uh, financial matters when it comes to farming. Maybe, maybe it's been made slightly more complicated than it needs to be. My goal in all of this has always been to simplify uh, all of it. And like, I, I try to be really transparent in what I'm putting out. I've got mm-hmm. a, a flat monthly fee. It doesn't matter if you farm five acres or 50,000 acres. I charge you the same amount of money to get my stuff every single month. 
you do with it what you want, but I have no like hidden motives. I'm not trying to sell you anything else. I'm not backed by anybody. I'm totally self self owned. I own the business. Um, so I don't know. I think people were lacking like a transparent uh, product that explained the markets in in a simplified way. Yeah, fair enough. So so what are some of the ways that you're simplifying the grain markets and and some of those services and products or just even evaluating the risks and opportunities in the future that you're providing to people? I mean, first and foremost would be just identifying cost of production. What does it cost for you to grow a bushel of corn, whatever? Um, okay. the, cost of the, the cost of the sale, like we used to think that $5 corn was a good price or, or now we think $6 corn is a good price or seven is a good price. That's not really a material. It's, it's not the number you should be focused on. You should be focused on your cost of production versus what you can sell it for, meaning the margin. Like what's what's the, the red meat in the middle that you can mm-hmm. take off of this, you know? So we're always focused on margin, managing margins. A lot of the stuff that uh, I talk about and some of the contributors on my uh, stuff talk about, we talk a lot about margins. What sort of, of return on investment are we looking at here? You know, given given production costs, given where futures prices or cash prices are trading, how does it all add up? How does it look historically? If, for example, if you would have sold corn and made a 20% return on that investment or, or your initial investment to grow corn. Is that good or bad historically? We look at that sort of stuff and, and try to make try to make more decisions based on that rather than like Joe thinks the market's going this way because of, of this. We try to make it more like tangible, realistic, like hard number uh, type stuff. That's, that's the approach. Mm-hmm. And there are different things that we put into it also, but that's like, that's the big bottom line take home that you'll get from me year in and year out. Gotcha. So it's very fundamental driven the fundamentals of the market it's numbers driven it's numbers driven and not opinion driven i think a lot of marketing has become opinion driven people think oh the crop the crop's going to be light this year therefore i shouldn't sell or the crop's going to be big therefore i should sell it's usually not the best reason to make a decision yeah yeah i fully agree with that i Wherever I'm getting into something, the numbers have to make sense first yeah. and foremost, yeah, it's all, and not it's all based numbers. on emotions. And I don't yeah. come from a um, I don't come from a farming background, so I think that's actually an advantage to me in a lot of ways. That I look at this all as as numbers and business type stuff. I don't have any I don't have any emotional attachment to my crop or any crop. This is all mm-hmm. just business and numbers and finances to me, which I think makes it a little bit easier for me to to deal with this sort of thing. Honestly, yeah, yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. So when you think about navigating uncertainty, the uncertainties in the market, you talked about, you know, keeping the margin whole, you know, how much meat is on that bone. Mm-hmm. What other aspects of running grain farms are, are you helping others look at outside of the margin? Um, we do. A lot, we talk a lot about crop insurance and okay. um, because crop insurance, it's not a marketing tool, but it should be considered in your marketing for a number of different reasons. For example, right now we've we've set this spring insurance price, and without getting into too much into the process, you're already at a point in the corn market where um, farmers may be in the in, they may be in indemnity territory, meaning that the price has come down so much from that spring insurance level that farmers may uh, essentially get an insurance check just because of that, not necessarily because the crops were light or because they had drought or a hail damage or anything like that. So mm. those that's one thing that we consider always. Uh, when we're talking about margin management and risk management. Um, the other thing would be like the idea that a farmer is always long uh, the crop. They're long this year's crop. They're long next year's crop. They're long the crop the year after that. And um, once 
once a particular uh, operation gets it through their head, they, they, they know this, but once we kind of drill it in their head that like, hey, you know, if you sell this year at a 20% margin and the market goes up, that's still great because you've got next year's crop to sell. And it's a difficult concept to grasp, but um, the farmer is inherently always long, um, you know, this year's crop, next year's crop, every crop till the day they stop farming. So I, I think one of the um, one of the problems farmers have is just the, the fear of missing out on higher prices. And that can be a big detriment to your marketing in a lot of cases. So we try to um, try to try to get people past that a little bit. Okay. How do you, how do you do that? Get people past that FOMO? You got to just focus on the numbers, uh, numbers. I mean, margins, like we can look at different charts and graphs and say, Hey, historically, like look at the market right now, compared to your cost, the margin looks really good historically. Um, that's one thing we focus on other things. I use seasonals a little bit, which sometimes they work and sometimes they don't, but on average over time, the corn market, as an example, soybean market too, they're more likely than not going to post some sort of seasonal high in the summer. Uh, May, June, July, somewhere in there. So um, in a lot of years, we're looking for rallies in that time frame to make forward sales. And that doesn't always work. It's, it's one of like a couple other factors that I consider aside from the margin uh, when trying to make sales and business decisions. It's something that's worked out for me um, to to a certain degree over the years. Okay. So yeah, just looking at that seasonality year yeah. over year and yeah, seasonality re- works yeah. in, in grain markets sometimes because the grain markets are seasonal. We plant mm-hmm. at this time of the year. Uh, there's a time of the year in the summer when we get really uncertain about what may happen with the, <clears throat> with the crop. Excuse me. You may run into a hot and dry forecast. You might run into <clears throat> too much rain, late planting, whatever. And those things can cause the markets to rally. A lot of times those are your best marketing opportunities. Yeah. So you're using those as a... Yeah. really assessing the health and direction of the of the grain markets then. Yeah, sometimes. Sometimes they work, sometimes they don't. But over the years, I'd say they they've they've worked fairly often for me. Okay. Gotcha. Well Joe, <clears throat> what are the, some other other emerging trends and shifts you're kind of noticing in the in the grains right now? Um the trend right now is that production costs are going up just like everything else on the planet. Yeah. So um inflation has been kind of a double-edged sword for the farmer. We had some really, a uh, couple of the best years that row crop farmers in the U.S. have ever had were uh, 21 and 22 uh, during that inflation, inflation cycle because, you know, the inflation brought about higher commodity prices. We had, you know, near record highs in corn prices, soybean prices, wheat prices, and the farmers were able to benefit. Now we're in a situation where the prices of a lot of these crops have come back down, but the inputs have not come down as much. Uh, we saw something similar to this in 2012 when uh, we had a drought and following the drought, um, you know, farmers made a lot of mo- money in the drought year because crop insurance paid so much. It, it wasn't because they had big yields. It was because the government wrote some really big checks. Yeah. And uh, after that, the cost of all the inputs went up magically. You know, I mean, the seed companies, the machinery companies, they know that farmers are sitting on more cash and they raised prices. Yeah. And, uh, it was it was for a different yeah, it, was, it was for a different reason. But uh, the 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 end result is the same this time around. We had inflation and the inputs go up, but they don't come down as fast as the crop prices come down. And that's going to be one of the uh, issues that we deal with this year. Do you think they'll ever come down with the recent inflation that we've seen? I mean, no. you just look I mean, at not, fast food stores paying fifteen dollars an hour to no. flip burgers. I don't think that's going to come down. And you <clears throat> kind of expand that concept. No, nothing's nothing's going back to where it was in 2019. I don't think nothing's going back to pre-COVID. Uh, and, and if it does, we're in some real trouble, I think. Uh, I, I don't think we're going back in that direction. I think you'll get to a, a place where we 
moderate on like an annualized basis. You know, the government, the way that the government measures inflation is annualized. They take this, they take this month and they compare it to the same month last year. Mm-hmm. Eventually you're going to see that level out. And we're already starting to see that, but I don't think you're going to see things like dive back to where they were three years ago. I just, I don't see that happening. I don't, I don't either. And I think, I don't know. It's really hard to tell what's going on right now because I hear good news and I also hear bad news. And it's really hard to tell really what's going on because everyone has kind of a narrative that they're pushing. Um, But what I do is kind of what you were saying earlier, Joe, is go back to the numbers. And if the decision, when you're trying to make a decision, look at the numbers first and then your intuition second, it seems like that's a, it seems like to be a reasonable person for me. Yeah. Your intuition is, is sometimes your worst enemy. I mean, sometimes your gut feeling when it comes to the market or marketing may be spot on, but in my experience, it's the hard raw numbers and data that uh, really tell the story. It's the only thing that's tangible. I mean, everything else is, is just smoke and mirrors and fairy dust. I mean, opinions, everybody's got an opinion about where the market may go or why the market may do uh, this or that or the other, but it's just a guess. It's an educated guess. Whereas the numbers, if you know your cost of production and you've got it dialed in and you know exactly what the cash price is for October delivery at the ethanol plant 10 miles from your house, that's real. That's real. You can take it to the bank. That'll pay back your operating note. Somebody's opinion isn't going to do that for you. No, definitely not. So let's talk about your grain markets and other stuff podcast. I was giving it a listen uh, this morning. I, I really liked it. You talked on obviously the grain markets, um, mm-hmm. but some other stuff that you would not expect to be in there, such other economic um, instances. Um, can you just give us an overview of what that podcast looks like? I started the podcast uh, in like officially, officially started as a podcast in early 2020, but I had been doing it like as a radio show um, for a while before that. I didn't know exactly what it was going to be. I thought maybe at first it would be like a weekly thing. And then I said, you know what? I'm going to make it a daily. I'm going to make it more like a news show. And then I had the idea to kind of do this side, uh, like premium subscription where I do more in-depth stuff. So that's the the form that it is now. Podcast is a news show, basically. And then we do the more in-depth, like analysis, grain marketing type stuff in the premium videos. Um, I think that there's a lot of things in the outside world that impact the grain markets. And that's why we talk about things like interest rates and the Fed and the stock market and the economy. The interest rates right now are one of the biggest things in farming. This this big um, increase in interest rates over the last uh, year and a half or whatever. I mean, farmers went from borrowing money at, at a really inexpensive rate to now paying eight and a half, nine percent on operating notes. It's really changed uh, the ball game when it comes to uh, oh, yeah. you know, the operating money you borrow every year. You know, a lot of farmers have spent a lot of money on bins and storage. It changes the storage aspect. Uh, most people, when they store grain, they're storing uh, the grain on borrowed money, essentially. And now it doesn't make as much sense to store grain as it did uh, maybe three years ago. So the interest rate situation and the Federal Reserve and, and the inflation, it all kind of ties together and, and does tie back to farming and the business of farming. Yeah, fully agree. I mean, in- inflation is hitting or the interest rate situation is hitting everyone, it seems like, right yeah, now. Absolutely. and. I mean, when you talk about the cost of doing business through inflationary causing increase in just operational costs, and then you tack on the interest rates that we're seeing, it's uh, it's hard to do business right now, it seems like. It is. The uh, 2024 is kind of the, the thing that 
I think row crop farmers are focused on right now. What's 24 going to look like? And there is some black ink on the budgets that I've seen. Production costs uh, for 2024, as I understand it right now, should actually be down a little bit from where they were this uh, 2023 growing season, still up drastically from, you know, three years ago. But there's some black ink when you when you compare the budgets versus uh, fall 24 delivery costs. That's, I think, going to be top of mind for uh, producers as we move forward. I know we've still got a whole 23 harvest to get through, but I think from a marketing, like risk management standpoint, that's probably going to be in the forefront here very, very soon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. The um, When you look at the numbers, Joe, are you looking at supply and demand in international markets yes. as well? Yes. Um, the grain markets especially the soybean market has become very much a global affair. So we export year in and year out. We export half the beans we grow in this country and uh, Brazil, Argentina, uh, they have become enormous competitors. Brazil grows way more soybeans than we do now. Uh, The United States used to be number one up until several years ago. And now Brazil is going to plant, I think they're talking 112 million acres of soybeans this year. I think we planted 83 or 84 this year. So um, Brazil has become big time competition on the export market. So it's absolutely very important uh, for us to watch South American weather, South American production prospects, South American crop conditions, uh, all that stuff, because it directly impacts the prices that we see here in the United States. Mm -hmm. What is that lag time you see generally when they get hit with weather in South America? Zero lag time. Really? I mean, we're, okay. oh yeah, we're looking at radar. We're looking at real time radar for Brazil. We're looking at real time, not real time, but I mean, we're looking at weather models that update four times a day for Brazil, for Argentina. It's, it's very much an active weather market during those winter months in Brazil. They start planting soybeans in like October and uh, that, you know, three or four month period can be really volatile in the soybean market. It's almost, it's almost like the weather market in the United States here in the summer. It's very similar. Okay. And so when you're looking at the the weather patterns of South America, you know, how are you using that information into what you're doing? So using weather as a grain marketing tool is uh much, much easier said than done. The way that I like to use it, if if I use it at all as a marketing tool, is that um put it like this, historically it's it pays to sell into crop scare events. Those are most often uh, some of your best marketing opportunities. Now, every once in a while, 2000, you know, 2012 in the United States is, is an example. A, a crop scare turns into a crop failure. And we had that mm. same thing in Argentina this last year. But that's the exception and not the rule. Generally speaking, if you run into a hot and dry forecast in the market, corn market, soybean market, wheat market, whatever, the market rallies on that hot and dry forecast. That is very often a very good opportunity to make forward grain sales. Uh, because most often it turns out to not be a crop failure. It turns out to just be a forecast that was in place for a day, a week, two weeks, whatever. But those are some of your best marketing opportunities. We just saw it in the corn market this past summer. You had this really sharp rally in the month of June um, where we took corn from I think $4.90 up to $6.30 in the course of like two weeks. That was your, wow. one of your best marketing opportunities of the year. I believe your best marketing opportunity of the calendar year. And then the market went, was right back under $5, like, you know, two weeks later. So um, those sort of things, that's, if I'm going to use weather in any way, shape or form to market grain, it's, it's going to be things like that. Mm-hmm. And then are you also buttoning those patterns up against the seasonality trends? 
Well, those those weather patterns or those crop scare events are very much seasonal. You're not going to get a U.S. crop scare event in uh, January. It's going to happen yeah. in June or July um, in regard to soybeans, maybe three, four weeks later than that. But but that's why the seasonals are what they are is because those crop scare events, they happen at the same time every year. Yeah. So using those tools, what other tools are, are you using out there, Joe? I like CFTC data. Um, so CFTC data is, is government data regarding um, the stuff that I use is, is the positions of large speculators. And just like the crop scare event thing, this is kind of like a, um, um, a contrarian type tool. When big funds uh, start to get really long the market, they start to get really bullish the market, that very often will coincide with the highs in the market when they hold the mm-hmm. biggest net long position. So when I see an extreme, the funds are holding an extreme net long in the soybean market versus what they hold historically, that, t- that tells me that I should probably be selling something or at least looking around and, and taking a look for opportunities. You know, um, when the funds are very heavily short the market, when they're pessimistic, that means the prices are down. That's for me, hands off. I'm not selling when, when that's the case, generally speaking. Mm-hmm. It's exceptions to everything that I do, but that's, yeah. that's kind of the big picture. Mm-hmm. The same thing happens in the real estate market, which it's a, uh... I mean, I guess it makes a lot of sense. I mean, big money is a I big sell high, right? I mean, that's, yeah. that's, and, and in this instance, and in this instance, when it comes to farmers, we're essentially just looking to sell grain high, buy inputs low, I mean, if possible. Yeah. So what is that CFTC data? Uh, CFTC is the Commodity Futures Trading Commission. It's oh, okay. uh, essentially, if you're a big speculator and you have like uh, a big enough position in any of these markets, you're required to report your positions to the government. And they make that data available to us. Okay, gotcha. So they'll what take all the large. They'll take Just... all the large speculators. They'll group them into, into one reporting group, and they'll tell us what that position is. And they do it on a weekly basis. Okay, gotcha. That makes a lot of sense and super valuable. Yeah, like. I find it to be valuable information. And most often, I mean, it's not rocket science. Most often, you'll find, hey, if the market is up sharply. The funds have been buying, and if it's down sharply, the funds have been selling. I mean, that's how it normally works. Yeah, w- works in the public mm-hmm. equity markets as well. Yeah, yeah, same, very similar stuff. Yeah, cool. So, marketing tools, CFTC tools. We talked about your your grain and other stuff. Podcast. You know, what else? What else are you working on right now that excites you about the future, Joe? Um, I'm just working on my content business. Um, the content okay. business is, is doing great. It's keeps me busy. I've got some new contributors coming online who are helping me with video content, audio content, all sorts of different stuff. Um, I think that I, I thought when I started this, that there was a market for this. I thought there was a market for something that was non-commercial, non-corporate backed, non-legacy media, uh, independent independent ag market media, which is such a tiny little niche, I know, but I thought there was a market for it because I had dealt with farmers for years and years. And I just thought like something was missing. I thought that a lot of the information out there was not as good as it could have been. And I thought, you know what, I'll take a stab at, at making it better. And I think I have to this point, I think I got a lot of work to do in that process, but it it seems to be going in the right direction. So I'm kind of laser focused on the content business. I have been for four or five years now. Okay, great. What is that um, content business name if people want to check it out? If you go to standardgrain.com, um, it's called Standard Grain Premium. And we advertise, we talk about it in the podcast every day. And if you want to just check out the podcast, that's kind of like the podcast. I always tell people the podcast is the free trial. 
So you'll get the, um, you can listen to the podcast every day for free for as long as you want forever. It'll always be free. And then if you decide, you know what, I like how this guy talks about the markets. I like how these people talk about the markets. Um, I want to know some more specifics about what they're doing or their thoughts on this or that. That's where the premium deal comes in. And um, it's, it's as simple as that. I mean, I have a ton of people who I know just watch the podcast or listen to it every single day, either on YouTube or the podcast apps. And a lot of people, you know, they might, they might listen to it for three years before they decide, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do the premium deal because finally, like I, this guy said something that made sense to me or something struck a chord. I don't know, but yeah. um, I've had a great response to it. I'm shocked by how many people listen to it and subscribe to the podcast. Um, we've got like 11,000 subscribers on YouTube, which for this tiny, tiny, tiny little segment of the world is, is pretty good. I think. So I'm thrilled with how it's gone so far. That's awesome, Joe. Yeah, eleven thousand in that little in that niche. It's uh, obviously yeah. becoming pretty valuable. Yeah, I, somebody thinks it's valuable. I, I guess so. We're gonna keep doing it. <laughs> yeah, keep keep it going. That's great, Joe. So, Joe, one last thing uh, before we sign off here. What's an actionable or what's like one takeaway um, that you'd like our listeners to focus on? We've talked about data understanding the data before you make decisions, listening to that more than your own intuition. There's a lot going on right now, um, watching the big money moves. Um, but what would be that, that one takeaway? Um, I could give you a bunch of takeaways. Here's one, uh, commodity markets, corn, soybeans, and wheat, they tend to cycle, meaning that, um, in, in the context that, that I'm speaking about here, we go through cycles of, uh, timeframes where, the markets and, and the business of farming is profitable. It can be for years at a time. I think we may we may be coming out of one of those cycles right now, like mid-2020 through, um, say, the first part of this year. Uh, everything was above the cost of production largely. Margins were really good. And now we're back to a time where the corn market is below the cost of production for this year. Uh, wheat, kind of a mixed bag. Soybeans, probably still a little bit above the cost of production. But there can be time frames that are the opposite, where you will be below or at the cost of production, maybe barely above the cost of production for years. There was a, a time period from, call it late 2013 through mid 2020, it was like six or seven year time frame where prices were more often below the cost of production than above the cost of production. So the markets are very cyclical in nature and mm -hmm. you can never tell in real time if you're entering or exiting one of those periods. But I think there's at least a risk right now as we sit here in August 23 that you're exiting one of the good times and maybe getting into one of the rougher times. There's, I'm not saying that's going to happen, but it's a risk right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Same thing with economic cycles as well. Yeah. It's really I'm not hard talking to see the storm when in terms you're in of it. like chart cycles or anything like that. I'm just saying the markets tend to go in cycles. I mean, we do go through yeah. periods of good and bad and the periods can last years. Mm -hmm. So just watch out for the cycles, watch out for your cost of production, figuring out what the data says. Um, yeah, that's good. Knowing, knowing away, your own numbers is, is kind of the way mm. that we put it when it comes to production costs. Know your numbers, meaning know what your production cost is and then know what your break even cost is know what you'd like to shoot for in terms of uh like a margin are you sure are you shooting for a 20% ROI are you shooting for a 15% ROI you shooting for more than that everybody's financial situation is different and that's why we uh very much encourage people to go out and figure that stuff out on your own love it yeah everyone has to know their own numbers know their mm -hmm. own business everyone's is 
very, very different. And the, yeah. the way they run their operation is also, oh, yeah, also no two operations so. are the same. I mean, you could be, yeah. you could be a corn and soybean grower that farms 1500 acres. And I could have another customer. That's the exact same guy. Who's a corn and soybean grower that farms 1500 acres, but their finances could be drastically different. So it, um, just because they're in the same business in the same size, doesn't mean that the businesses are the same. Yep. Makes sense, Joe. Well, Joe, it's been a, been a pleasure having you on. Loved uh, talking about grain. Um, been a while since I got a little a pro in the space on talking about grain. Um, so thank you. And of course, where? So we mentioned your podcast. Um, what websites? Standardgrain.com. Standardgrain.com is, is if you go to standardgrain.com, you'll find links to the YouTube, to the um, all the podcast apps. That's where okay. you sign up for the premium deal. Um, that's that's the place to go. You'll find all the free stuff plus the paid stuff there too. All right. Sounds good. We'll link in the show notes as well. Joe, thanks again for coming on. Thank you. All right. See you, everyone.